Hello, I'm Coach Phil Clark. Welcome to my podcast, where you can hear the real, full-length conversations that I have with people seeking my advice about exercise. Miriam and I had a nice phone call about running. She's a writer who's currently based in Philly. If you read the New York Times best-selling memoir, A Journal for Jordan, you may remember a character named Miriam. That's her. Miriam's main question for me is, can I qualify for the Boston Marathon? The problem is that her fastest marathon time so far is one hour slower than the qualifying time, but I still think she can do it. Listen to find out why. I'm looking forward to exploring this, you know, great question that you asked. I think you're brave to take on my question. Because <laughs> every time I'm like, this is nuts. <laughs> why am I even asking this question? <laughs> on, on this third, you know, on this, those are the best questions because on the surface, that kind of question does, you know, uh, get that response. So what, 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 what is she talking about? But um, there's, a, there's a challenge to dig a little bit deeper and to either come up with a firm answer why you think it is nuts or to come up with a firm answer why you think it's possible. And that's what I like about a question like that. One way or the other. I have to come up with something that makes sense because this is nuts is not a satisfactory response. That's that's okay for a layperson, but a, a professional should be able to say something more than that. Um, so, but I'm curious to and, and maybe just remind me. I don't know. If we've discussed this in the past, but let's talk more about running in your adult life. Um, the difference seasons it's gone through because if you're like most people you're running is going through seasons where there was more of it than less of it and none of it and so forth and so on so get me up to speed on on that and and then we'll we'll pick it up from where you leave off um yeah so you know in my youth i was not athletic at all we're <laughs> not considered athletic um, I even got a D in gym, although the teacher there had some mental health issues, to be fair. <laughs> uh, that's being fair. <laughs> well, <laughs> who gets a D in gym if they show up, which I did, and I participated, but, you know, she wasn't good enough for her. Anyway, um, so, you know, I just sort of didn't think I was an athlete, and then I just started playing for V for Fun, and I think I may have mentioned in my email that I think that was the reason that when a friend from Frisbee asked me to start running with her. I was able to go four miles, you know, easily. And um, then from there, one night About she was like – how long ago was that? Oh, long, so long ago, Phil. Um, approximately the year 2000. Oh, <laughs> all right. So a generation ago this happened. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so um, from there, I went from doing the loop, like, overnight. I was like, I can't believe it. <laughs> And then uh, I did a half marathon, and then I met Nick, and he wanted to do a marathon. So I really, at that point, was like, I don't think I can do this, you know, because in my mind, um, I just thought a marathon was something you had to be kind of a serious athlete to do or whatever. But what I learned was what Nick told me, if you train, you can do it. And so suddenly then I did three without, I don't want to say hardly trying. I mean, I put in the training, but I hardly did any speed work. I just kind of, my goal was to finish, and I did. And I would tell anybody who was interested, it's much easier than you think if you do the work. And um, 
so then I had a baby who's now almost 14, as you know. Um, but that really messed with my running. Like, I just, anyway, you know, pregnancy, complicated. So I did not do a lot of serious running after that. Um, I did do one half marathon. Um, and I think I talked to you at that point, and I remember saying, so I don't know. I just, I, you know, running when I was more serious, it was almost like a religion to me. Like, I had to do it. You know, it made me feel so good. It was a way I managed stress and weight. And I just remember saying to you, I don't know. I go out. I can't run. I just can't. And you said, you know, maybe you're burned out. Maybe you should give it a break. And I just really thought you were crazy. But it kept happening that I would try to run, and I just, I don't know, I couldn't run. And I was doing other workouts. It wasn't like I was not doing anything. And anyway, then we moved to Australia, which is so hot that sort of by virtue of the weather, I ended up taking your advice and I really didn't run. I swam and I did like hit type workouts and I just, every time I'd try to run there, I don't do all the heat. I'll tell you that. I'd much rather run in like nine degrees than 80 any day. Um, So I was, so, but then now I'm back here, I've had this hiatus from running and I'm finding I'm enjoying it again, except as I, I don't know if you got my email earlier today, but I, I'm running like a mile and a half at roughly a 13-minute <laughs> That's what you pretty much expected, though. You that, that's you thought you were around 13 to begin with, didn't you? Well, you know, what I didn't tell you but bragged you about, Phil, was that when I would do a four-mile race back in my 30s, that's my marathon time. I mean, I was – I know this is still so slow to someone like you, but I was really proud. I would do a 5K and I did a few, one 5K, I think, less than a nine-minute mile. How about that? Good. That's good so, to know. So to do one mile at 13, I'm like, oh, my God, I may as well walk. All right. But that's where I am now. But I'm not trying. This is my whole thing with Boston. Sorry. I'll, I think the reason it keeps, like, nagging at me a little bit is because I've really not tried. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I just kind of well, put we're it gonna we're gonna we're gonna tease out we're gonna get more concrete about what that statement means soon um, because you did something to prepare and we'll we'll dig into what you did so that we can better understand in comparison to what you should have done um, what you did do and what you, what you didn't do um, and and that'll shed some light on moving forward. Uh, but one of the takeaways from what you just told me is that if your running began around 2000 and you were running a marathon by 2003 uh, and you went, it sounds like you went from an initial jaunt of four miles, which is not an inconsequential first run. Um, I I remember my first run in cross country, and I was dying on the warm up uh, to the park where we stretched before we did the actual run, and uh, and it was not four miles. So that's not inconsequential that you knocked off four miles from the the first run that you can remember. And it sounds like you double because the loop is what eight point five something something. So you. You went from that, and then you doubled it, and then you did a half, and then you did a marathon. And it sounds like all that stuff happened in short order. So um, 
And it doesn't sound like you were under duress when you were doing any of that, when you were just breezing through these miles. It sounds like, if anything, you just at some point just took it for granted that if you wanted to run a 5K, you could, a 10K, you could, a half, you could, an 8K, you could, just because your body was responding. So, uh, obviously, um, you you had and probably still have basic in, endurance capacity. And perhaps it's even fairer to say um, above average endurance capacity. Um, there's any number of people whose running biography would not proceed like that, mine included. Um, and, and you know I ran a heck of a lot faster than what you're talking about. And my running biography did not proceed that way. So, uh, isn't that it, a, like a thing, Phil? The people who have endurance versus the people who have speed. Uh, it's not a thing that it, that's a false distinction because. Oh, is it? Okay. Oh yeah. When you're talking about <laughs> when you talk when you're talking about people who can run in the world, most of them have both at very very high levels. You know, uh, so it's a false distinction that it's speed or endurance. Um, there are plenty of people who have both and. Uh, at the at the higher ranks, it is an absolute fact that people have both. I just watched a bunch of women in the 5K at trials a couple of days ago, um, you know, go from, I don't know, 72nd laps or so to at the end drop in 60. Now, and I couldn't help but marvel that there are plenty of human beings who if they tried their mightiest could not cover a lap in 60 seconds. It's just not there. And and in point of fact, some of those women in that race don't have those legs. Um, but uh, it's you talk. But the people who are winning and the people who are truly fast people in the world, their speed and endurance go hand in hand. And from what I can tell given that these qualifying times continue to get a little bit faster over time, that just seems to be the trend with people. Um, folks are getting faster um, as they're able to endure. And you want to be one of those people, quite frankly. Um, you want to be a person who has some has some endurance ability and, and can add some speed to that. And if you're lucky, you already have one of those two variables you don't have to worry about the one. You can focus on the other, but I get a little bit ahead of myself right now. So, uh, you know, the takeaway is that the endurance legs are there, and there's no reason to think that the endurance legs went anywhere. Uh, they may have to be re rebuilt again, but your ability to go out and just run thousands and thousands of steps um, is something that you established is is a, is a ability that you have and. Um, I, I suspect, because you said nothing to the contrary so far, um, it's probably an ability that you still have. So I, that's that's good. Now, uh, but it doesn't answer the question, you know, is it can you get yourself a qualifying time for for, for this marathon? So let, let's get back to that. Now, when you were preparing for marathons, you used the program, and – uh, it was a program by the New York Roadrunners, and they offered people for free three different versions of a marathon program. Um, 
I think they're labeled beginner or conservative, intermediate, and advanced, something like that. Yes, um, you got it. And, and, and you did the beginner slash conservative one. Now, I've looked at the plan, and the good news is all of the, the plan and, and its general features corresponds well to what has emerged as the standard load for marathon training. You know, so the standard load for somebody preparing for the marathon will include a long run and intervals and hill repeats um, or hill running. Um, and what, when I look at this program that you were doing, all that stuff is there. Um, you know, the, 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 the weekly mileage is, is typically about 40 or so on average. This program never gets the high. That's the one general feature that's uh, not really present. But, you know, there's typically three to five workout days. Um, this, the plan that you followed includes that. The duration is about four months, sometimes up to six your your the plan that you followed was that duration it was about four months um the longest run is usually at least twenty miles again the plan that you followed had that feature i believe at least one run yeah one run was twenty miles so the general features of which you followed corresponded very very nicely to the the standard work done by people trying to prepare for marathon so the question becomes that the general features correspond well? Did the details um, correspond to the details that uh, people follow um, who are preparing for a marathon? So let's talk. So here's where I have to ask you some questions. So this, and hopefully you can remember the answer to these questions. So when you followed uh, a sign on certain days, intervals, and they gave you the gave you discretion over how you would uh establish the interval distance and i guess interval speed also um so when you had interval days do you remember what you would do roughly um not really i mean what i guess what comes back to me is that sometimes i would sort of kind of do this stuff, but mostly I just ran the number of miles they told me to run. Got you. So this is five miles dash intervals. More often than not, you just ran five miles with free pace. Free pace meaning whatever speed you felt like running that day. I did. I mean, you know, sometimes I would be like, think, oh, okay, the next two phone poles, I'm going to speed it up. I don't know. I I was pretty... I was pretty just run. I mean, right. I didn't even always do. I mean, I really did most of the mileage, but sometimes I'd even skip a recovery run here or there and just walk instead if I was tired or whatever. Okay. Well, if there are differences in the details, actually, that's that's those are cracks in the door that open up on a way forward. Um, what in a way, what what we don't want is this analysis to lead to this conclusion. Hey, you know what? Both in terms of general features and details, you did everything you were supposed to do 
to prepare for a marathon. Um, and if, as a result of that, your time is an hour slower than the Boston qualifying time, you have no reason to expect a different result now. You know, so that's that's the way you don't want the analysis to end. It's it's what's preferable is hey look, yeah you did the, the you had all the general features in your preparatory program, but the details which count um, were were very different, and uh, if the details are very different, then an argument can be made hey look well if you follow the details that correspond to uh, a, a, a Boston qualifying performance. There's reason to to at least um, expect that you could be prepared come race day to run that performance. So, if you're saying, "Look, when I saw intervals, if this had five miles of intervals, more often than not, I would just run five miles. Um, I wasn't on a track or." on some measured out distance doing repeat twos, fours, eights, or miles. Um, that's promising because, quite frankly, doing repeat miles is a really important part of marathon preparation, especially when you have to run fast. And anybody that's trying to qualify for Boston is, by definition, trying to run fast. you got to remember, there's, on average, maybe a 1,000 people per age group Per gender, that can that can hit a qualifying time for Boston. There's a lot of people in any age group and for at any for any gender in this country. There's a lot of folks, a thousand of them roughly, get the time. So, um, something like a mile repeat is especially important for people preparing to run what we're just going to call a fast or slash competitive marathon. So if you didn't do them, then that's a detail that matters. And continuing this, when that program would say hills, like four miles hills, do you recall really making a concerted effort to run four miles on hills? Or, I mean, if you were in Philly, that, that's hard to come by. Or do you recall just going out and running four miles? Yeah, I, I did do some hill work and some track work, but not in the prescribed way. You know what I mean? Like for hill work, I would go run up Lemon Hill like four times and think, okay. <laughs> that's, that's enough. <laughs> I'm tired. Long that's enough. Hill. <laughs> yeah, but it's now four miles. <laughs> I know, I know. But I do think they, they never were that because I think they may have also just changed their training a bit because I think they used to be a little bit simpler in what they recommended. Like, I think there were some interval and hill training recommendations, but a lot of it was just, you know, run this number of miles this week and this, you know, and then you have your, I'm forgetting now what they call it. You have like your longer weeks and then you scale back and then you go more. So, um, I also was just not the most, um, in fact, I remember the guy from Roadrunners kind of gave me a hard time because I went on a two-week hike, or yeah, with Nick in the middle of my training, and stupidly, when I came back, was really surprised that my running was, like, way messed up, 
And I called, like, I don't know what to do. The race is coming up. <laughs> I guess I, I mean, I'm grateful that New York Roadrunners had some free coaching, but I remember the guy just being like, you should never have gone on that hike. That's how you experience his comments. <laughs> yeah. I was sort of like, sorry for having a life, dude. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have. I, although I, I'm not going to comment on what he said, I will. I will add this to the conversation. Let the record show that when Roger Bannister was banging his head against the wall, trying to finally break through that four-minute barrier, because he was awfully close. I think 401, 402, like all the other fast dudes in the world. When he was close, but not figuring it out. He walked away from the track and walked in mountains with, uh, I think it was um, Chataway, for five, six days, about a week. Then he came back. And uh, within a week or two after that, that, that height, he was finally Mr. Break the Four-Minute Mile Barrier. So um, there's something to be said about, in my opinion, there's something to be said about walking away from the track and, and, and just doing some hiking or walking. And actually, that might even come up later as it pertains to you. So, and, and your comment, your, 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 the comment you made about this program perhaps changing over time, I'm not sure it has because what you're basically saying is that a lot of this stuff was unspecified and it's still unspecified. In fact, you know, they don't, details, if you want to call it that, about the interval run, they're like in footnotes at the bottom of the page. And the, the details aren't really detailed. They just say, hey, look, you can, an interval typically is a distance between 200 and 1600 meters run at a, you know, fast pace. So that's, so this stuff was probably as unspecified when you were looking at it as it is now. Um, but you know, as I was hoping, what you're telling me is that although you, you're used to these general, the general assignments that go along with marathon preparation, um, you're not used to the detailed pacing assignments that are also a part of serious marathon preparation. Now, that's fine if you don't want to run a particular performance qualifying time. If all you want to do is show up on race day, go when the gun goes click and finish preferably running 26.2 miles later, you can do the kind of preparation you did, which was preparation that included all the major elements but no real pacing work. You don't need it to 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 cross the line 26.2 miles later. You proved that to yourself a few times. So you don't need me to prove what you've already proven to yourself. You know, marathon prep, sans, pacing assignments um, can still be, as long as it can include the main standard element, can still get you across the line. Uh, but marathon prep without the without the pacing element is never going to, prepare you to run um, a, 
a particular performance, especially if the performance is fast. So I think we can get back to the question, well, can you qualify for Boston? Well, if you can handle, if you can still handle the standard marathon prep, but with the pacing assignments that are appropriate for the time, the performance that you want to do, then yeah, you can, you can probably qualify for Boston. Can you run it? That's tough because it's, Boston is perhaps the most desirable marathon on the planet. And as a result, there's a lot of people trying to get in, but there's only so many people they can fit in the street. So if your age bracket and gender um, has more applicants that qualify than they will ever allowed to run, then you know what they do. They take the fastest people, you know? So uh, when it comes to running it, the question is how, how, what, what strategy you're going to take? Is your strategy, I'm just going to be prepared to run a qualifying time, which in your case is what, four hours, five minutes? Or do you say, well, I need to run even faster than that to, uh, Guarantee is probably too strong of a word, but to um, increase the chances that I'll actually be admitted into the race. So, uh, you know, either you you prepare for a, a sub a 405, or you prepare for something even faster, so that you actually have good reason to believe you're going to not only qualify for but get selected to run. Um, so that's something that you're going to have to consider, um, and we're going to have to figure out the answer during this this call because the pacing assignments change depending on your answer. But either way, there is a way forward. The way forward and the logic for the way forward is simply based on the fact that you've been able to handle marathon prep, and you've even been able to handle the the speeds that you would have to be able to run for Boston because you've you've done a 5K and you said look sounds like you know better than in 27 or better so you've demonstrated the speed over miles you've demonstrated the fact that you can handle marathon prep if you can bring those two things together that 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 the the, the, the pacing assignments represented by that speed that you ran the 5K in and the, the general features of the marathon prep, yeah, sure. There's a way forward. I mean, you have to be healthy, and you have to think about how, you know, you go about organizing the work, and we'll talk about all that. But there's a there's reason to believe that you could be prepared to go um, uh, when you show up for whatever marathon you're going to use for your qualifier. I don't know if it happens this year or not, Um I don't know when the qualifying window closes for Boston. They haven't published that yet. Um, if it's going to happen this year, you would probably have to start training almost now, um, assuming yeah. that the, if, if you assume marathon season ends November, you count back four months from November. Yeah, you're probably starting next month. In the next episode, I'll continue my conversation with Miriam. 